Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. So church family, this is the last time I will ever come to work and be 49. Yep. Tomorrow is my 50th birthday. Yeah, or as the teens say, fitty. I'll be fitty. Fitty years old. Fitty. On Labor Day, my mom took it kind of serious. That's when she had me. Now, I've noticed some things about being 50 uh, or approaching 50. Number one, my wife and I's biggest fight is now about where she's put my readers. She always hides them. She can't find them. She steals them. My idea of getting lucky is being able to find my car in the Walmart parking lot on the first try. How do I, how do you lose a car? Like, I started doing that when I was 40. I was losing my car. Um, Rebecca asked me the other day if I had any dreams for this next season of my life. And I said, I would love to be able to eat chicken wings without getting acid reflux. That would be awesome. As I approach 50, I've noticed something. If, if I go somewhere and there's no parking, I just go home. <laughs> okay? There's nothing out there I haven't really seen, so... It's like not that important. I can just go home. Home's nice. The only time I use the flashlight on my phone is to be able to read the menu at a restaurant. <laughs> do you do that? The other day, Rebecca asked me why I wore my Fitbit to bed, and I said I complete my last 500 steps for the day on the trips to the bathroom. <laughs> This part kind of stinks. I have to work out to stay kind of fat. <laughs> and if I stay up past midnight now, I have to call in sick the next day. So 50 is great, let me tell you. <laughs> but we live in a crazy world, don't we? A crazy world that keeps getting crazier. And when we read about prophecy, we read about things that are going to happen in the Bible or says what's going to happen in the Bible, we see that it has all been said that it is going to take place. And so even though it's crazy now, it's probably going to get crazier. And a lot of times we wonder, why has it gotten to this point? I mean, what can we do to, to change things? And really what we can look at, the source of all of these crazy things happening is just a bunch of really poor choices. Poor choices lead to craziness. Poor choices lead to poor, poor morality and, and poor culture. And it seems like it comes from one of two places, either pure selfishness or ignorance. Selfishness says, I don't care. And ignorance says, 
I don't know. Now, there's an innocent ignorance, and that just says that, you know, I haven't learned that yet. But then there's the rebellious ignorance that says, I don't want to know. I don't want to learn. I just, I just want to live my life. I want to make my own choices. But fixing both of these, or at least making the world a better place, really starts in the home. It starts as parents, as we're teaching our kids. It starts as, as, as the head of the household trying to, to lead their wife in, in the way and their spouse or their, uh, their family in the way that God has called them to do so. Proverbs 22, uh, 6, I love this scripture in the King James. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it's our job to train up our family. And in today's society, Our families need spiritual leaders more than ever. Parents that will take the responsibility to train their children in the truth and show them that morality is not a sliding scale. The morality isn't relative to their perspective or what feels right to them in the moment, but that it is based on the rock-solid truth that is found in the Word of God. And there's this move in today's culture that, that basically says that the Bible has good stuff in it, but it may not all be truth, or it may not all be literally happening as far as in the books of the history, but those were, those were just stories that were told, and that, that we, we should look at those things, but that is not the true word of God. Man, what has happened, Right? The devil has hatched this scheme to, to make people feel like it's all right to just make your own choices. It's all right to just go out and do what you want to do for that particular moment. And, and if, it's, if it feels right to you, then it's morally right for you. What a slippery slope we live in. I get asked from time to time from people that really are wanting to know how can I be a spiritual leader? Like, what, what can I do? Like, give me, give me some advice of what I can do to, to spiritually lead. Because a lot of times, we're, just, we're not good teachers. Maybe we're really good at doing something, but we can't really teach somebody how to do what we do. Or maybe when it comes to the Bible or, become, or it comes to spiritual things as a parent, we're intimidated by trying to, to lead or teach because we know that we have our own failures. We have our own, our own issues. And what I always tell people is the best way to be a spiritual leader in your home is just to lead by example. Your kids love to watch and learn. That's what they do. Now, of course, we're talking about my family and this relating to our family, but when it comes to a spiritual leader, if you don't have kids or maybe you're, you're an empty nester now or whatever, it doesn't mean that now you are no longer a spiritual leader. We're supposed to be spiritual leaders with, at school. We're supposed to be spiritual leaders at work. So this applies to all of us. And all of us learn best when we can see what we're learning first way better than book knowledge, way better than anything like that, is to be actu- actually be able to see somebody do it. So I tell people, just do the simple things. Now, the first five things I'm going to be talking about in this, in this message, for most of you, you've heard these things before. You'll, you'll get it. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but we need to emphasize them. One of the things that we have got to allow other people in our lives to see, especially our kids, is they need to see us read the Bible. The reason that people don't believe that it's important anymore is because they don't see people reading it. It's the bestseller of all time. 
It is God's breathed word to us. It's his love letter to us. It's his instruction manual to us. And our family and the people around us that we love need to see us read it. Psalms 119.9 says, How could a young man stay pure? By reading your word and following its rules. I have tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander off from your instructions. I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they, could, uh, they, would, hold, they would hold me back from sin. Blessed Lord, teach me your rules. I have recited your laws and rejoiced in, the more, uh, rejoiced in them more than in riches. I will meditate upon them and give them my full respect. I will delight in them and not forget them. As a kid, I remember every morning waking up and, and seeing my, my dad sitting at the breakfast table with his Bible open. Now, as a kid, I wasn't good at reading my Bible. I'm just like any other kid. I didn't do it. I didn't do it enough. And I, I needed to do it more. But that didn't negate the fact that I saw my father doing it on a daily basis. It was a great example. And I admired him and I respected him. And he, has, he was a man of great wisdom. And through the years, I realized he got that wisdom by digging into God's word every day. Another thing that I saw growing up was I saw my family pray together. My family needs to see me pray. I found this uh, article when I was doing the research for this message. And in this article, it says, the best way to begin educating your children about prayer is to pray in their presence. Look for opportunities to pr practice prayer in front of them. Just as you would seek out instances to teach them about manners, good sportsmanship, or humility, which we do those things, while praying in the morning or before bed is common and valuable practices, God wants us to come to him with all things and at any time. So let kids see you praying throughout the day for a variety of needs. At any time I would ever go to my mom with an issue, a problem, something I was going through, she would always ask me the same question. Have you prayed about it? Always. Do you want to pray about it? Have you thought about praying about it? I share this in spiritual warfare all the time. I had this kid that was bullying me in middle school, and he just messed with me all the time, and he just... That, you know, come by my locker while I was in there and slap me on the back of the head or knock my books out of my hands. And he just, he did that like every day. I could not stand this kid. And so I went home and I told my mom about it. And she goes, have you ever prayed for him? I'm like, no. I'm not going to pray for him. Are you kidding me? He's a jerk. He's mean to me. He does all these awful things to me. And she goes, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says we should pray for our enemies, that we should lift them up. And so I remember going to bed that night, praying for this kid half-heartedly. I did not want to, but I prayed for him. And the next day, he came up to me at a locker. I was ready for him to hit me. I was ready for him to knock the books out of my hands. I was ready for him to pick on me in some way. And he said this to me. He goes, you know what, man? I don't know why I mess with you all the time. I don't know why I pick on you all the time. It's, I'm sorry. Why don't we just be friends? I'm sorry. What? I seriously thought my mom had paid him off. <laughs> but she taught me this lesson at such a young age that prayer works and that we need to be praying about everything. Psalms 5.3 says, Each morning I will look to you in heaven and lay my request before you, praying earnestly. 1 John 5.14 says, And we are sure of this, that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. Man, Word, the word and prayer, letting, 
doing that at work? I mean, I know business owners that are friends of mine that pray, they start their business day off with the people in their office with prayer. Hey, they, they might fend people. They might have people that might have a problem with that. But you know what? They want to set a standard and they want to show my business is God's business. He is first in my life. If we are going to be blessed here, it is going to be because of God. And what a great opportunity to show others about the power of prayer in their life. They may have never prayed before, but yet they play, pray with their boss. It's a beautiful thing. The other thing I saw growing up is that my family, and what we need to do is my family needs to see me worship. First Chronicles, I love this, chapter 16, verse 23. These verses are awesome. Sing to the Lord, O earth. Declare each day that he is the, the one who saves. Show his glory to the nations. Tell everyone about his miracles. For the Lord is great and should be highly praised. He is to be held in awe above all gods. The other so-called gods are demons, but the Lord made the heavens. Majesty and honor march before him. Strength and gladness walks beside him. O people of all nations of the earth, ascribe great strengths and glory to his name. Yes, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord when clothed with holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world stands unmoved. Let the heavens be glad, the earth rejoice. Let all the nations say, it is the Lord who reigns. Man, when we worship, something happens in the spiritual. And when others see us worship, they may be a little uncomfortable with that at first. They may even scoff at that at first because they don't understand it. But when we worship, it teaches other people to worship. So when the people that are up here in our praise team on the choir are worshiping, they're doing that as an example. Now, they're not faking it. and They're not going through the motions. But we chose them. One of the reasons we chose them is because they worship the Lord and they worship him expressively. They need to be an example to our church of how we should worship. And in our homes and in our businesses, we need to be an example of how to worship. Now, my dad, he led worship all the time I was growing up. We were in a small church, and he was, he was just a great singer. And, he, and so most of the time, he was leading worship, and I would see him from the platform. But I'd also see him worshiping throughout the week. He was always singing praise songs. He was always whistling praise songs. He had such a beautiful whistle that he was just, he was just awesome in that way. And nine months before he passed away, he was standing on this stage in the choir, worshiping his heavenly father. He, he died of Alzheimer's. He didn't know my name at that time, but he still remembered how to worship God. still an example of how to worship and how we should worship. Never be ashamed of that. Never be ashamed of raising your hands before the Lord. Never be ashamed of showing God how much you love him. Your kids are watching. And they're being trained that even as we sit here. They are in kids' church, man. They are worshiping. They have their hands in the air. Wouldn't it be a shame if when they come to big church, they see the adults worshiping less than they worship in kids' church? We have to be that spiritual example. God is our answer. And when we worship him, the demons tremble. It is our form, one of our best forms of spiritual warfare against the enemy. Next, my family needs to see me serve. Just a few weeks ago, I won't spend much time on this because we had this great service on, on how to serve and they did such a beautiful job. Will and, and Jail did. But, and one of the sticking points of that was that in the last hours that Jesus had, he could have chose to do anything. 
He could have went and fulfilled bucket lists. He could have went and had a blast with the people, went to an amusement park in, in, in Nazareth. I don't know. But what did he do? He served his disciples. That's how important service is to him. And my family, they always served right up until the end. They were either ushers or greeters or small group leaders or they sang in the choir or they led worship or whatever. I never remember a time growing up that I did not see my family serving. So for me, it was just instilled in me to pray and read the Bible and to, to, uh, to serve and to worship. And then finally, we need to make sure that we're practicing the truth. Our kids see us practice the truth. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, to preach the word of God urgently at all times, whenever you get the chance, in season and out, and when it is convenient and when it is not. Correct and rebuke your people when they need it. Encourage them to do right, and at all times be feeding them patiently with God's word. For there is going to come a time, now listen to this, this is prophetic, there is going to come a time when people won't listen to the truth but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says, but will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. Wow, do we see that today, right? Wow. Now, the next part of this message is what I want us to really focus on, because here's the thing. We can, we can teach and we can lead and we can try to help and we can speak the truth and we can do all of these things. And there's times that we will do this for people and they will not listen. And it frustrates us to the point where we want to quit. But what we have to understand is there, there's going to be around five types of people that you can't help. Okay, five, five types of people. They could be in your family. They could be at work. They could be close friends. You can't help them. And here's why. Number one, you can't help people that don't think they need it. Pretty simple. Even salvation is based on the acknowledgement that we need a savior. That's what it's based on. For us to, to, to be saved, we have to acknowledge we can't do it without Jesus. But there's a culture of people thinking, they, they don't need help. They got it. And you can't convince someone to take medicine who doesn't believe that they're sick. You can't do it. We can't open people's eyes. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prayed for the people that, that needed their eyes of understanding to be open. And he couldn't force them to the truth. And this was Paul. Like Paul, the author of the majority of the New Testament. Like the greatest evangelist probably ever besides Jesus. And he could not get these people, so many of these people, to listen to him. We have to pray that God will heal them from their blindness. Because here's the thing, and this is so true of where we're at today in, in, in this life and in this time. If they don't start to see it, then our conversations, the truth that is, then our conversations with them will just look like condemnation. Just will. That's why people that have veils of deception get so upset when we try to help them because they see our efforts as condemnation and judgment instead of speaking the truth and in love. So if they're not ready to hear it, the more you push it on them, the more they're going to say, stop judging me. Stop being critical of me. Because with this veil, they can't see the truth. So we have to understand for this time, for this moment, I can't help them. They don't want it. I can't help them. Number two, you can't help people who know they need it and don't want it. Oh, 
that crazy? They know they have a problem, but they don't want any help. In John chapter 5, Jesus asks a person that says that they need help. He says, do you want to be, do you want to be made whole? Do you really want this help? Some people know that, they're going, that uh, what they're doing isn't right, but they are too in love with what it is to give it up. Oh, did you hear that? They know what they're doing isn't right, but they're too in love with it to give it up. Too many live by the motto of, I don't really care. I don't care. Number three, you can't help people that don't want it yet. They don't want it yet. Some people know that what they're doing, uh, they know that they want what they want is eventually, they want it eventually, but they just don't want it yet. They want, they know they need it. They know that they know they're going to get it. They know they want to get it someday, but not at this time. They want to keep doing what they're doing because they can't see what it's doing to them. They don't realize the longer they stay in the behavior, the harder it will be to come out of that behavior. And you'll hear them say things like, I'm going to stop, just not yet. I'm going to break up with this person. I'm going to get out of this relationship, but not yet. If they're not ready, they can't be helped. Number four, you can't help people that don't want it from you. Oh, what? They don't, maybe they just don't want help from you. Jesus dealt with this when he went to, to his hometown. People would say things like, oh, that's that carpenter. Oh, I remember him when he was just a kid. Who does he think he is? Now, has this ever happened to you? Where you, are, you try to help someone. You tell them the truth. You map out this beautiful plan of how they can get through the situation they're in. And you know it will work. And you know it will help you. And they won't listen. But one day they come along and they call you and they say, you're not going to believe what I heard today. I had an epiphany. It was life-changing. This person told me that I should do this, 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 and this. And I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. And you say, I've been telling you that for years. <sighs> right? You get a twitch. <laughs> they weren't willing to hear it from you. And so many times, if it's a family person, that there's a person that's within your family, they're not going to listen to you. They'll listen to anybody but you. So that's when we pray, God, put somebody in their life that they'll listen to. They're not going to listen to me. So put somebody in their life. Now we, and we can't take that personal. Don't take that personal, okay? It's just the way it is. Just thank God when somebody talks to them that helps them that they will listen to. Number five, you can't help people that aren't willing to do what it takes to get it. You can't work harder than that person is working for themselves. Now, if you're a blessed person, you're blessed because what you have done, God has blessed, right? And you see people all the time and they stand around and they're jealous of what you have. They're jealous of how you've been blessed. And the truth is they could have what you have if they did what you've done to get there. It's that simple, right? It's that simple. You can do it. You can have it. Are you willing to do the work to get it? 
Now, one of the things that Rebecca and I just got to do, and it was so incredible, is we got to go and we did Europe for a month. A month. And I'll tell people that, and you can tell, you can see it in their eyes. They're like, well, I wish I could go to Europe for a month. You know, must be nice, right? Okay. But they don't know what we did to be able to go for a month. Number one, I've been at the same job for 28 years. 28 years. I, I can get four weeks off, okay? That's, but you know what? <laughs> Not, you start off a year. You, first year, you're in a job. You can't go, I'm taking a month off. Your employer's going to look at you like you're crazy. If you work at the same place for 28 years, I bet you you can get four weeks off. We sold things. We sold our house. We, we, we downsized. We sold vehicles. We had massive yard sales. We, we had two uh, 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 exchange students that stayed with us for five or six months that we stayed with when we went to Europe. I mean, all of those things were just investments and time and work. And you can have that if you're willing to do the same things that we did. That's right? it, just, just got to work for it. When I tell that story, I have people say all the time, you were alone with just your wife for a month? <laughs> were you talking when you got home? <laughs> yes, and you know what? We did not get in one fight while we were gone that whole four, four weeks, except for when she took my readers and hid them. <laughs> people go, well, wow, I, I like to have a marriage like that. You can have a marriage like that. Five years in, we had a turning point in our marriage where we didn't, almost didn't make it. Tragedy happened. We, we could have said, you know what? We can divorce. We can move away from each other. But instead, we decided to go to seminars, to go to counseling, to start listening to people that could help us. And we have applied the things that we learned within our marriage. And because of that, we're more in love now than we've ever been. And we can do four weeks together. And, and we have a ball together. And we come home. In fact, when I came back to work on my first day, I called her like two or three times and said, man, I miss you today. She's like, I miss you too. It's so crazy not being together. But we have that because we've done the work to have that. We're not special. We're not like, it's just people. We just have decided that that's a priority. We're going to travel together. We're going to love each other. We're going to implement the things that we know we need to do to, to, to love each other for the long haul. I, w- I want us to be together our whole life and be happy our whole life. But we got to be willing to do the work. Now, here's the thing. We can do all of those things within our, with our kids. We can do all those things with the people we love. We can be the perfect example. We can be the perfect spiritual leader. And they may still reject God. They may still reject you. If that happens, it is not your fault. If they made some poor choices and you start struggling with what, what could I have done different? What could I have said different? What if it's, you could be the most model parent, the most model leader for somebody's entire life, and they can still choose to rebel. They can still choose to run off and do their own thing. Stop feeling guilty for it. All we can do is the best we can do. All we can do is model and stay close to the truth, stay close to God. But everybody still has a free will choice. So this morning as we close, if you'll stand with me. First of all, I just want to pray over you as far as being a spiritual leader. So Lord, we come before you and we say, we need your help. 
We need your help. We need your self-discipline to to help us be the best leaders we can possibly be for you. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us to, to be able to lead within our home. Help us to be the example that we should be to our kids. Help us to, to, if we're not reading the Bible, we'd start tomorrow. We'd start today. If we're not praying and, and giving examples of how we should pray, we would start doing that immediately. Lord God, that we would sign up and start serving. That we would really start expressively worshiping you, God, so that people could see around me that I'm an example for worship. And Lord, help me to speak the truth. Help me to have the boldness. And when I get an opportunity to speak the truth about you, I would take it. And then also, Lord God, I pray right now for every person that's either in this room or represented in this room that is running from you, that has not got it yet. Lord, I pray for our prodigals, if we want to call them that, the people in our life that we've been praying for for a long time that have just made poor choice after poor choice. We give them over to you right now. In fact, Lord, we're going to do that individually. So within this room, if you know someone that you've been trying to help, you've been trying to fix them, I want you just to visually give them over to the Lord right now. You're not giving up on them. You're just giving them over. You're not going to stop praying for them. You're just going to allow God to do his thing. Whoever that is, just visualize you giving them over to the Lord. You're relinquishing control of their bad decisions. And now, Lord, I pray that every person within this room would be able to forgive themselves for whatever it is they think they've done that has caused somebody else to make poor choices. In fact, right now, I want you to just say, in Jesus' name, right up, just repeat after me, in Jesus' name, I choose to forgive myself for whatever I think that I've done to influence this person in the wrong way. And now, Lord God, I pray that you would bind up the spirit of guilt. You'd bind up the spirit of condemnation and you would cast it out of this room and cast it off of us in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, you would replace that with peace and joy and hope. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Labor Day weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we'd like to give you an opportunity to do so right now. Romans 10.9 says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. We'd like to pray and simply invite Jesus to be your savior and the leader of your life. You can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner who needs forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be the leader of my life, to be the Lord of my life, and I want to follow you. I believe God that Jesus is who he said he is. And I choose now to follow him all the days of my life. 
I commit my life to you. And it is in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, we'd like to congratulate you and share your story with us at info at Again, thanks for joining us.